0: Hi, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Potomac Perspective. I'm Neil Shapiro, head of communications at Stiefel, joined as always by our chief Washington policy strategist, Brian Gardner. Hey, Brian. Good morning, Neil. I know it's an audio only
1: podcast, but I don't see a Yankee cap on your head. I'm shocked. Uh, not to worry. It's uh, over my, one of my shoulders uh, on, a, on a peg inside my front door, and uh, it is ready to go for playoff season. Yeah, well, you have,
0: you know, you're lucky you have to wait a little bit because you're the division winner, not the wild card winner, like some other teams that, you know, maybe I support. It, uh, it cuts both ways.
1: Um, certainly, if you're one of the top two finishers in the league um, and you uh, sit out the wild card round, um, you know, if you're banged up a little bit, you can get your you can get some of your players healthy. Um, you can arrange your pitching staff exactly as you want it. Um, but the flip side of that is that teams that go through the wild card, they generate excitement, yeah, and momentum, and confidence. I agree and, with that. And the higher seeded team is sitting around for a couple of days and can lose an edge. So it, it it cuts both ways. I agree, and
0: I mean we know I'm a big Mets fan, and the last two Mets appearances in the World Series were both as wild card teams. So we'll see. Uh, but it's exciting. We've got baseball fall playoffs. We've got Football, both the your Giants, my Jets, I think are exceeding any most expectations so far. It's early, but
1: so far, so good. Yeah, from a from a Giants perspective, um, clearly, I mean, if if you told any Giants fan at the beginning of the season they're gonna start three and one, um, I, I think they'd be absolutely ecstatic. Um, I think there's still some holes with the uh, with the roster. Um, and I I don't think they're as good as their record indicates, yeah. but Uh, The changes in the attitude, the changes in the coaching staff, the record. I mean, as a Giants fan, it's just it's just a huge sigh of relief, if not, if nothing else.
0: Well, I mean, exactly. I mean, it's nice to not automatically be eliminated four weeks into the season. Yep, absolutely. Well, all right. So we got a lot going on this this fall, lots of sports activity. Congress, though, it's a little bit slower where you are in Washington. Congress is. I guess, out of session now as we as we gear up for the midterms. But there does seem to be quite a bit of um, movement in Washington,
1: even though lawmakers are technically not there. What do you what do you what do you think? Uh, No, I totally agree. Um, You know, you would think it's a quiet season because, uh, you know, other than the midterms. But policy wise, you'd think it's it's quiet, but it's it's really not. There's there's a fair amount going on. Um, We've talked about gas prices before and they seem to be rising again and there are events going on in that part of uh of the political yeah. world so i mean the, biden seems to be feuding a little bit with saudi arabia now yep um and so yeah so opec uh pretty much led by the saudis uh ha- announced a uh, a production cut um the administration's not happy um congressional democrats aren't happy some some democrats up on the hill are threatening retaliation against Saudi Arabia and against OPEC. Um, They've suggested a withdrawal of U.S. troops from the country. Um, That might have some bipartisan support um, because there are Republicans who are are wary of the the Saudis as well. Um, But I am skeptical that that move would force Saudi Arabia to, to rethink its position, force OPEC to rethink its position. And it could harm America's ability to influence events in that part of the world, especially following the withdrawal of troops from Afghanistan in 2021. Um, You know, know, another move that that has then uh, followed on from that is the U.S. easing sanctions on Venezuela to allow more oil from that country. Um, But that probably can't sufficiently offset OPEC cuts. um so there's been some chatter about another release uh from the strategic petroleum reserve uh, but this doesn't really make a dent right i mean it we've does asked, been uh, in, in my opinion no i mean I, you know look there are energy experts that can speak more authoritatively to that than i can but in my opinion no um the spr yeah. is at a historic low so there's probably even some reluctance to tap into yeah. it again um you know, despite the decision to increase supply from Venezuela, the administration is still reluctant to increase U.S. supply capacity. Um, and even if that if they change their position, that that would take time to to have an, uh, a market impact anyway.
0: Now, Brian, correct me if I'm wrong, but I know we've talked before about the uh, the, the permitting reform proposal from Senator Manchin. Um, that it seems to me could have helped in this area
1: but as we've said congress blocked it um, am i wrong about that no I, I i i think you're right but um you know energy the, the energy permitting reform proposal you know could have led to quicker approvals a streamlined process for new carbon and clean energy pro- uh, projects they they both face opposition in various states um and and that would that could lead to an increase in supply and energy um it, it would take time um Um, but for you know, I should note that for all the all the chatter of the last couple of weeks with the Manchin proposal being blocked, it's not dead. Um, it could come back in the lame duck session. Uh, Republicans mostly like the idea, even though they have their their own proposal, which which differs slightly from the Manchin proposal, but they were so mad at Manchin because of what they think was um uh you know, bad faith uh, negotiating regarding the CHIPS Act and the In- Inflation Reduction Act and how, that all, the, how those two bills interacted. Um, so they were mad at Manchin for that. They didn't want Democrats to have another political win before the midterms, so they blocked it. But after the midterms, those political considerations change and it's possible to revisit the issue as part of the, uh, the longer term spending bill that will come up. Um, and past permitting reform. But again, you know, I think it's important. I think it would be helpful, but that's a long-term endeavor. It's not just a, a, a switch that somebody's flipping. Well, you know, you mentioned the midterms
0: and possibly revisiting this after the midterms. Um, I think when we last spoke, we talked about maybe some of the momentum shifting a little bit. Where do you where do you see things now? We're about, what, a month away?
1: Yeah, we're getting there. So, yeah, uh, You know, we're speaking the first week of October and the election is uh, Tuesday, November 8th. So about five weeks away. Um, uh, You know, Republicans' chances of winning the House remain good. Um, Hmm. I think the situation in the Senate has shifted back towards Republicans. Um, You know, some of the factors that helped Democrats over the summer, you know, the lower gas prices, um, the decision from the Supreme Court, on the Dobbs case, which was the abortion case. Abortion, yeah. And those, those legislative wins that I just mentioned, I think mm-hmm. all of those kind of combine to give Democrats some momentum over the summer, but that's all faded. Um, uh, you know, the gas prices are starting to tick back up and those two political events, the Dobbs decision and the legislative wins, they're they're fading. They're in the rear view, rear view mirror and they're being replaced in the press by reports of continued high inflation uh republican uh campaigns have gone on tv since then um and they're attacking democratic candidates on crime and 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 various other issues and um those ads i think are paying dividends um so the shift in the narrative um has definitely shifted some seats uh the, the the state of some races um, so I think Democrats still have a decent chance of keeping the Senate. I don't want to leave the impression that, you know, this is a Repo- this is a slam dunk Republican win in the Senate. It's not. But momentum has clearly, in my opinion, has clearly shifted in the Republican direction. Yeah.
0: Now, uh, I mean, some of these states have allowed for early voting. So when we talk about the momentum shifting, that wouldn't necessarily um, cover people that have already mailed in their ballots. Right. I don't know if that's a, I don't know if that's a significant
1: number. It it depends on the state. Um, And so, uh, you know, it, 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 as a general rule, and there will be exceptions to this, but as a general rule, I think early voting and mail-in ballot and are more popular in democratic States uh, than Republican States. So it kind of depends where, where the particular race is. And remember each state has its own rules and laws, Mm -hmm. so it's not, you you can't, you can't make a blanket statement for the nation. But that was always sort of one of the rubs against
0: having early voting, right? Is that you can't then take into consideration
1: things Absolutely. that change the it. No, I understand that it makes it easier for folks. But the fact that it's earlier um, means that people, that voters are voting with inconsistent levels of information. Yeah, that's right. People that vote right. early uh, are not going to have the same amount of information because facts can change over time. And yeah, um, that that certainly is a factor. True. Um, I got two more quick items
0: for you, uh, Brian. I saw, or we talked about. Um, there was some news on bank regulation last week. I think we had one of the Fed governors speaking about it
1: um any key takeaways we should know from the, from that on that issue yeah so um fed government Bo- uh, bowman um yep. she gave a pair of speeches last week and, and she covered a lot of ground um one speech was to a um a conference in st louis uh the 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 home territory for Stiefel, um uh, that was on uh hosted by the st louis fed on community banking and then she gave a speech on friday on large bank regulation. And I thought her comments uh, on bank MA were important. Um, she spoke about the benefits of bank MA, and that's a different message than you hear from yeah, a lot of policymakers. For sure. Um, now, look, she's only one vote on a seven-member Fed board. Um, but I thought it was an important speech. And the fact that, you know, banking regulators are kind of getting closer to the actual process of revising their their merger rules and to have a governor come out and make a pretty rigorous and vigorous, maybe is the better word, uh, defense uh, of the benefits of, yeah. of bank mergers, I, I, I thought was significant.
0: Yeah, well, our, I mean, our colleagues at KBW, um, part of Stiefel have have argued for some time that the largest banks have you know so much market share and have grown market share that you actually do need some of the smaller banks to merge in order to allow for some competition. Otherwise, the largest banks will just continue to get larger.
1: Yeah, and 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 I do think the regulators are cognizant of that. Um, mm-hmm. The acting comptroller of the currency, who is the regulator for national banks, which tend to be the largest banks, uh, Michael Sue gave some uh, some speeches back in the spring, and you know he was talking uh, he in in. In, dis- in analyzing um, potential uh, moratoriums on large bank mergers, And one of the problems with blocking those lo- with mergers, blocking mergers, is that you are you are protecting the largest yeah. players That's um, because the smaller players can't grow and they won't have scale a scale enough right. to to challenge and compete against the largest players. So I do think that that, that part of the of the equation, and there are there are multiple factors that banking regulators have to consider. But that part, that factor, is one where I think banking regulators understand that um, they can't be too aggressive in, uh, in in potentially blocking smaller deals because they those those deals actually have benefits to competition across yeah. the landscape.
0: Yeah, I agree. Um, and then the other thing real quick, the other point I wanted to raise was on the hurricane. Um, so clearly, Ian uh, caused a ton of damage in Florida. Um, we, Congress, we mentioned, is not in session, but at some point, Congress is probably going to have to respond. What do you think they'll do in terms of um, helping out with some of the the damages that we've seen?
1: Yeah, so when Congress returns to, to Washington in November and December, it's going to approve disaster assistance for Florida, as it does for all natural disasters. But there's some connected discussions um, to this. Um, it's going to be a debate over the national flood insurance program um, because one, the, the, the program suffered big losses. We don't have the numbers yet, but you know, you, you don't you don't have to be good at math you just look at the pictures to understand uh the the flood damage that happened along the coastal areas of the west coast of florida understand Mm -hmm. that the the program is going to take a hit and whether it those whether it it is sufficiently capitalized to um not just to take care of these claims but to future claims um will be analyzed Um, the second is that a lot of victims in florida Flood victims lived outside of flood zones, and if you're outside of a flood zone, you're not required to have flood insurance. Yeah. If you do live in a flood insur- in a flood zone and you have a mortgage, yeah, uh, then then you are required you're to required, have right. uh, it. it's part of the law. Um, but a lot of those, a lot of victims in Florida probably didn't have flood insurance, and so there's going to be discussion about how to make the program. A more affordable, how to encourage more homeowners to blot to buy flood insurance, those those people, those homeowners that are not required by law to own it, how to get more of them into the program. And then there's going to be some debate within the state of Florida uh, about its pro- state's property and casualty insurance system. Um, you know, look, I, I, and I'm in Washington, um, there are 50 state capitals, and I'm not going to sit here and pretend to know enough about Tallahassee to have an opinion on how, how it plays out but I think Florida lawmakers are also probably going to look at Washington and see if there's some way that the federal government can get involved. I don't think that goes too far because there are going to be lawmakers from outside the state that are going to be reluctant to to backstop a particular state on something like this, other than regular disaster uh, assistance. Um But, you know, it it certainly is going to be an issue that comes up within the context of the overall debate of disaster systems for Florida, the flood insurance program. You know, I think there's going to be a little chatter in Washington when when Congress returns about Florida's state system. And is there a role for for Washington? Again, I think at the end of the day, the answer to that last question is no, Um, but it's going to come up. And I think, I mean, I think
0: hurricane season, we still have another month plus, right? Isn't it through November or something like that? I think it's November
1: still, 1. Yeah. Um, I think the seasons have tended to be a little bit later um, the last couple yep. of years. Just because the season ends doesn't mean you uh, you can't get a hurricane. And we have had some late season late ones. storms. Yep. Um, this, this season has been unusually quiet. Yes, that's this true. Yeah. You know, we went July, August, through most of September with you yeah. know just a handful of named storms and very few that made landfall uh, in the U.S. And you know, uh, our 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 KBW colleague, uh, Mayor Shields, who covers the property and casualty yep. sector, he can you know he can he could get more into uh, exactly what um, what the losses look like yeah. um, uh, from the various storms. Um, but I, I think uh, Mayor would probably back uh, back me up on that. It's it's been a relatively quiet season. Until Ian, I think that's right. Well, speaking of season, we have we started with baseball.
0: We're going to end with baseball. I'm going to put you on the spot, Brian. We're going to do our World Series picks, and we did not discuss this in advance. We did not. So, so I'm do... I'm I'm
1: I'm already back on my heels a little bit here.
0: Okay. So. Well, do you want me to go first then? Sure, go for it. Okay. So my pick is, I don't see, you're not going to like it. I don't see anyone getting past Houston in the American league. I just don't see it. So I think I'm, I feel confident in in saying Houston in the national league as a Mets fan, my heart says, I want to say the Mets, but the truth is, if you look at it, I really can make the argument for almost any of those national league teams. I, I think the road to getting to the world series is much tougher in the national league. Um, I, it kills me to say this because I am a Met fan, but I really do think there's a good shot. It could be a repeat and we could have another Atlanta Houston world series again, which by the way, I don't know if that's, I don't want to say it's never happened, but I can't remember the last time in baseball that we had a repeat of the world series. I hope I'm wrong, but I'm thinking, I'm feeling it could be Atlanta Houston again. So on the repeat, um, I'm sure the Yankees and Dodgers in the late 70s. That's where I was going to go. Times. Exactly
1: yeah. where I was going to go. That, that That's the last time that I can recall yeah. uh, a back-to-back. Um, yeah. uh, and look, if it were to play out the same way as the 70s played out, I'm okay with that. Yeah, because I'm sure you are. On both of those. So um, I'm, I'm fine with that. Uh-huh. Um, no, I, I, so I think it is a little bit more open. Um, it's always who gets hot at the right time you yeah know, let's let's go back to 2019 um, and when the nationals won and you know here I am in DC but I'm I'm, I'm a New York fan um, uh, but did anybody really think the nats had a shot in 2019 other than a handful of diehards that live within yeah. about 10 they miles had of a me.
0: pretty good team
1: no they they d- they did but you know they, they were weak in the regular season they they were under 500 in may and they did get hot down the stretch yeah. but i think there were a lot of doubters going into the playoffs of whether they had they had what it took mm-hmm. um so my point is it, who gets hot at the right time yeah um so in the national league um I, I do think it's open to three teams i think it's it's open uh, clearly you know the Dodgers are the front runner and it's no so, there's no question about it. They're loaded. Yeah,
0: they're, and they are loaded beyond belief. It's. Yes. I, I actually said to my son the other day, looking at it, I said, how the heck did they even lose 50 games this year? I don't even understand how yes. they lost 50 games, some
1: of which, by the way, were to the Mets. But anyway. You know, the, the, the Braves have been playing well in the second half. They have. There's a reason why they overtook the Mets. The Mets won over 100 games. And yes. the Braves still overtook them. So that says something about momentum in Atlanta. Um, I think the Mets can still turn it around um it all it takes is one wild card series victory you know to win that series and you're all you know you have just changed the narrative around your yeah. team and you have confidence and then look out um you know and um you know I, most I hope, this, I hope way, most this is reflected at, at year end I, I think there's a uh uh, I think there's a, a shot for the Cardinals. I think you can make an argument for the Cardinals. Yeah. Um, I, I think it's a it, you know, it's obviously a storied franchise. I think it's a good team. I think Jordan Montgomery has added yeah. something to that team. And so I would not discount um the Cardinals. And so I hope people in headquarters are listening to this and keeping this in mind. Um, um and then for the American League, um, I think it's the Yankees. Um and the Astros, and mm-hmm. it I agree to with say that. It, but I, I, I'm going to give you know I got to give the Astros. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, the, the advantage at least early on, um, Yankees have a lot of questions. Um, I agree. Their health issues, their injury issues, their offensive issues. Um, I think the pitching staff is okay, but you know, other than Judge and Torres, the offense has been inconsistent. Yeah. LeMay who's hurt there's some signs that Stanton is heating up and if he does then the offense does get another charge um and so that that can transform the Yankee offense but the Yankee offense has been anemic for over two months so I'm I'm as a Yankee fan I am worried yeah
0: Houston's hard to beat on both sides of the ball right there pitching is phenomenal and their offense is phenomenal. I agree with you. The Dodgers probably of all the teams that we just discussed are the most loaded, but what I'm holding out hope for as a Met fan is, and I think if you ask most teams, if Scherzer and DeGrom are both, you know, close to hundred percent of what they typically have given you, it's hard, at least in a five game series to beat that in a seven game series, maybe, but I mean, that's, that's, I think okay, that's so because their offense is not as good as some
1: of the other offenses. Here's my pick for the World Series. Yeah, uh, despite everything I just said, yeah, it's going to be a Yankee-St. Louis, wow, Cardinal World Series, and our colleagues in St. Louis are going to keep us in mind for when the World Series starts. Uh, um, for sure. I, uh, you know, I I'm only a short distance away from St. Louis. I can be out there in no time. Um, and I'm sure they would really appreciate having extra Yankee fans in the stadium.
0: Yeah. Well, I actually said to somebody before we recorded this podcast, I was talking to someone and I said, if it ends up being a Mets Cardinals national league championship series, um, which I believe it was in 2006, um, if it, but I was not at Um, but if it is a Mets cardinals nationally championship this is a problem because i'm a big met fan but the guy who signs the check is a big cardinal fan so we'll have to see but may the best team win and that everyone enjoy the games amen to that all right well we've covered washington we've covered baseball i think brian um i think that's all the time we have for this episode don't forget to subscribe to the potomac perspective podcast series on your favorite podcast platform Brian, we'll see you next time and we'll see everyone next time as well. Great. Thank you, Neil. Thank you.